Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fuck's Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Idaho Calopee hummingbird hovering next to me is Ellen. Ooh, since I'm a hummingbird this week, we can still fly into the Phoenix flashback. Well done. Last week, we covered Chapter 20, Hagrid's Tale and the corresponding film scenes. The trio are super excited that Hagrid is back because they know he always brings the quality and then spills it. Mm-hmm. The Gurg of the Giants is very impressed by Dumbledore's flaming wood. There's some kind of irony in the fact that Carcass became nothing but a carcass. Pepto Bitchmall once again leaves traces of her stink everywhere she goes. And among everything we learned in this chapter, one question will forever go unanswered. Are giants named after metal bands or are metal bands named after giants? The world may never know. Which came first? The metal band or the giant? (laughs) (laughs) During episode 153, Bros Before Chose, our Potter pondering was, what do you think about the lack of details about Hagrid's experience with the giants, including the omission of Madame Maxime? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter pondering. How do I feel about the movie leaving out the details of Hagrid's mission? including leaving out Miss Madame Maxine? Well, seems legit. It really seems legit. What else were we expecting at this point? This is going to be the story of all my Potter ponderings from now on. I can feel it strongly. Lack of details, we kind of figured that was going to happen. But to just exclude her completely was just wrong. You know, it makes it seem like, oh, yeah, Hagrid met this lady that's just as big as he is last year, slapped on the ass, and that was the end of that. But to know that they, you know, actually went through this together, probably shared a lot during that time, which I wish J.K. would have shared more about what, you know, what they discussed and did. That'd be a nice little fanfic to read what they were doing during that time. Mm hmm. But, you know, no. You know, this little short-ass movie, we ain't going to get that information. They couldn't pay her again. They couldn't afford her. I don't know. I really don't. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. I actually really didn't like that they didn't include Hagrid's full story about the Giants and his mission. The book was so much better in that, that we got the full story. And... and Instead of some of the things that were done with this movie, we really should have had that. Hi, ladies. This is Kendra Copeland. I am calling in my Potter pondering. It was just about, like, what we felt or what we thought about the movie leaving out a lot of the whole adventure with the Giants and what Hagrid did and the fact, you know, they don't even say anything about Madame Maxine and all that. I, I think it's weird. I mean, they did go into it a little bit. The fact that he could have just said who he was with could have taken a half a second, wouldn't have heard anything. That was kind of silly that was left out. But I don't know if I care a whole lot, to be honest, because I don't know how much of that whole plot was, that whole point of it was important to understand the movie or the plot. So it doesn't really bother me all that much. I did think it was silly that they couldn't have just gone there first, like that they changed around the sequence of that, of the kids, you know, the guys being in there, the invisibility cloak. But other than that, they did a decent job. All right. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Katie. So my thoughts about the Potter pondering this week is like they've cut so much out of the movies anyway. I really wasn't surprised what they did with Hagrid's story or Madame Maxime. Like, it doesn't surprise me anymore. That movie is just a long ass montage at this point. So I can't really be mad. I would hope that if they were to do a TV series, they stay more true to the books because they'll have a lot more time. They can do 
a chapter, an episode. But as far as the movies, like I'm, nothing surprises me anymore with what they cut out. Was I upset? Generally, yeah. But like now I'm just over it. Hey, this is Jessica calling in my Potter pondering for this week about Hagrid's story about the Giants and Adam Maxine. This one doesn't bother me nearly as much as the other changes, but it is kind of odd. Adding a bit more of the important dialogue wouldn't have been too hard. Using the correct characters, the correct things to say should be simple, but we know they have a hard time with that. I also don't understand the random switcheroo with Umbridge already being at Hagrid's when the trio arrives. Such a random thing to decide to change around. Sometimes the smaller detail they change, the more it bothers me because it's just pointless and they do it anyway. They do it just because they can, not because there's a practical reason to do it. But yeah, they could have and should have kept a bit more of the important details in, like Madame Mixing being with him and all about more of the giants and their change in leadership and what went wrong and more of the why and how it all went down, why he was there and stuff like that. The scene had to be in the movie to set the story up for Grop's appearance later on, but they definitely should have utilized their time better. Thank you so much for your responses. God, I love hearing those, man. Get some good ones. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate those of you who regularly call or send them in. Love hearing your voices You're every week. Awesome. <laughs> Our trivia question last week was, aside from Harry, how many people in his class seem to be able to see the Thestrals? Two other people appear to be able to see Thestrals in Harry's class, Neville and a Slytherin boy. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! This makes six weeks in a row now. She is on a roll. She is whomping some ass. Yeah. Do you think she can keep it up? We shall see. For now, let's dive into the first half of Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes aside from the extremely different one that happened way earlier in the film. Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, Part 1 Hermione plows through two feet of snow to get back to Hagrid's cabin on Sunday morning, unaccompanied by Harry and Ron, who have a ton of homework to do. When Hermione returns, Ron asks if she has all his lessons planned for him, and she insists that she tried, but he just doesn't seem to get what Umbridge is like. He just kept saying that no one in their right mind would rather study Narls than Chimeras. At the alarmed looks on Ron and Harry's faces, she reassures them that she doesn't think he has a Chimera, but it's not for lack of trying since apparently the eggs are hard to get. She informs the boys that Hagrid is in a funny mood and still won't mention how he got all the injuries. His reappearance at the staff table during breakfast is not greeted enthusiastically by everyone. Some, like Fred, George, and Lee Jordan, sprint up the aisle to shake his hand, but others, like Lavender and Parvati, exchange gloomy looks and shake their heads. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are definitely a little worried as they head down to Hagrid's for class on Tuesday about what Hagrid is going to teach and if Umbridge is going to be watching his lesson with the Slytherins. When they arrive, she's nowhere in sight as Hagrid greets them from the edge of the forest, still looking extremely beat up and holding half of a cow. He lets the approaching students know that they'll be working in the forest since they prefer the dark and a panicked Malfoy asks the people around him if he said what prefers the dark. Hagrid doesn't hear and just happily explains that they're going to see these creatures in their natural habitat. He tells the class that they're extremely rare and that he's probably the only person in Britain who has managed to train them. Malfoy speaks out again in panic, this time loud enough for Hagrid to hear, asking if he's sure they are trained, since it wouldn't be the first time he brought wild stuff to class. The Slytherins and some Gryffindors nod in agreement, but Hagrid scowls and insists that they are. When Malfoy then demands to know what happened to his face, Hagrid just angrily tells him to mind his own business and tells the class to follow him. He strides into the forest and after about a 10-minute walk, they reach an area with trees so close together it's snow-free and as dark as twilight. 
Hagrid sets down the half of a cow and tells the students to gather around. He explains that they will be attracted to the smell of meat, but that he's also going to call them so they know it's him. He then makes a couple of odd shrieking cries as everyone looks around to see what's coming. After the third cry, Harry nudges Ron and points to a space between some gnarled yew trees where a pair of blank white eyes were growing larger and then a dragonish face, neck, and skeletal body of a great black winged horse emerges from the darkness. It looks around at the class for a few seconds, then begins tearing the flesh from the cow with its pointed teeth. Harry is relieved that these creatures are real and that he's finally going to learn what they are, but when he looks at Ron, he realizes that Ron and most of the rest of the class look extremely confused and can't seem to see the horse standing just feet away from them. Only two other people, Neville and a Slytherin boy, seem to see it too. Hagrid announces the arrival of a second one and then asks the class to raise their hands if they can see them. Malfoy rudely asks what they're supposed to be seeing, and in answer, Hagrid points at the cow carcass. The class watches as bits of flesh appear to strip themselves away and disappear, and Parvati demands to know what is eating it. Hagrid explains that they are Thestrals, and Hermione gives an immediate O of understanding. Before Hagrid can ask the class a question about them, Parvati speaks up again to mention how unlucky they are. As she's explaining all of the horrible things Professor Trelawney told her about them, Hagrid interrupts her back to inform her and the class that those are all just superstitions. He then asks if anyone knows why some people can see them and some can't, and Hermione raises her hand to answer that the only people who can see the Thestrals are those who have seen death. Hagrid awards her 10 points for her correct answer, but before he can continue his lesson, he's interrupted by the arrival of Professor Umbridge. When she asks if he received her note about the inspection, he brightly responds that he has and welcomes her to the place, mentioning that they are doing Thestrals. The High Inquisitor cups her hand around her ear and asks what he said. So Hagrid loudly repeats Thestrals and calls them big winged horses as he flaps his arms. Umbridge makes a note on her clipboard while speaking what she is writing, has to resort to crude sign language. A flustered Hagrid attempts to return to his lesson, asking what he had been saying, and Umbridge loudly makes another note, claiming that he appears to have poor short-term memory. Hagrid looks uneasily at Umbridge, but continues his lesson explaining how Hogwarts has a herd. Umbridge interrupts him again to ask if he's aware that the Ministry classifies Thestrals as dangerous. Harry's heart sinks as Hagrid chuckles and explains that they aren't dangerous. He admits that they might take a bite out of you if you really annoy them, and Umbridge makes another note about Hagrid appearing to show signs of pleasure at the idea of violence. Hagrid attempts to defend himself, but Umbridge just finishes her note and tells him to continue teaching as usual and mimes that she's going to walk among the students and ask them questions. Harry doesn't understand why she's acting like Hagrid can't comprehend basic English, but Hermione has tears of fury over Umbridge's antics. As Hagrid again attempts to continue his lesson, Umbridge loudly asks Pansy Parkinson if she can understand Hagrid when he talks. Pansy also has tears in her eyes, but from holding back laughter, and manages to answer that she can't because it sounds like grunting a lot of the time. Hagrid continues to try teaching, and Umbridge asks Neville who he saw die. Neville tells her that it was his granddad, and when she asks what he thinks of them, he nervously glances at Hagrid and says they are okay. Umbridge narrates her note that students are too intimidated to admit that they're frightened, and when Neville tries to correct this, she just pats him on the shoulder and tells Hagrid that she thinks she has enough to get along with. She again mimes as she tells him he will get his results in 10 days' time and walks away, leaving Malfoy and Pansy laughing, Hermione shaking with fury, and Neville looking confused and upset. On their walk back to the castle about a half hour later, 
Hermione rants about how foul Umbridge is for trying to make Hagrid out to be some kind of dim-witted troll just because he's half-giant, and defends him, saying that it was a really good lesson for Hagrid. Ron points out that Umbridge said Thestrals are dangerous, and Hermione patiently explains that they can look after themselves. She also mentions how interesting they are, how some people can see them and some can't, and expresses how she wishes she could. Harry quietly asks her if she really does, and she immediately looks horrified, apologizes, and corrects herself. Harry reassures her that it's okay, and Ron brings up the fact that three people in one class could see them. He's cut off by Malfoy, who says that they were wondering if he saw someone snuff it if he'd be able to see the quaffle better. They roar with laughter as they walk away and sing a chorus of Weasley is our king. Ron's ears turn scarlet and Hermione tells him to ignore them as she pulls out her wand to produce a hot air charm to give them an easier path to the greenhouses. December arrives to bring more snow and even more homework. Ron and Hermione's prefect duties also increase as Christmas approaches since they have to supervise the decoration of the castle, watch the first and second years spending their breaks inside, and patrol the corridors with Filch. They are so busy Hermione doesn't even have time to knit and is fretting that she's down to three hats and the poor elves she hasn't set free yet are going to have to stay over Christmas. Harry doesn't have the heart to tell her that Dobby has been taking everything she made and just bends lower over his history of magic essay. He also doesn't want to think about Christmas since between the Quidditch band and concern that Hagrid is going to be put on probation, he actually wants to spend the holidays away from Hogwarts. The only thing he has to look forward to are the DA meetings, and those are going to have to stop over the holidays, as most of the members are going to be spending time with their families. Hermione is going to be skiing with her parents, and Ron is heading home to the burrow, which makes Harry quite jealous until Ron remembers to tell him that he's going to the burrow with him. This makes Harry feel significantly happier, as he wonders if he might be able to persuade Mrs. Weasley to invite Sirius to Christmas as well. Harry arrives early to their last DA meeting and is very glad he did when he realizes that Dobby decorated the place for Christmas and the room of requirement is covered with hundreds of gold baubles depicting Harry's face and have a very hairy Christmas. He just manages to get the last of them down when Luna arrives and notices the remaining non-Harry decorations. She points out the mistletoe above Harry's head and he quickly jumps away from it. Far from being offended, Luna tells him that it's good thinking since it's often infested with nargles. Before he has to ask what nargles are, Angelina, Katie, and Alicia all arrive, looking breathless and very cold. Angelina informs Harry that they managed to replace him, Fred and George, and Harry is extremely surprised to learn that the new seeker is Ginny Weasley, who's actually pretty good, though got nothing on Harry. The new beaters are Andrew Kirk and Jack Sloper, and they aren't brilliant, but were definitely better than the other idiots who showed up. Since the corresponding movie section fits into the back half of this chapter, again, stupid montage, uh -huh. we are once again just going to discuss all the movie left out. Because why not? Mm -hmm. I'm sensing a theme here. Are you sensing a theme? Definitely a theme. A little bit of a theme. Yeah, this chapter starts off picking up right from the next morning after they went to see Hagrid. Mm -hmm. And Harry and Ron have a ton of work to do, so they stay back in the common room working on it, but Hermione is bound and determined to make sure Hagrid's lessons are up to scratch. Oh, yeah. She's not fucking around. Oh, no. No. And understandably, because... Well, yeah, she's seen what uh, this woman is doing. What this Pepto bitch mall is bitching. Exactly. <laughs> like, she knows what's probably going to happen if she doesn't step in. And likely what's going to happen anyway. Right. But she at least has to try. Yeah, she definitely does not need to study divination to see where this is going. No, no, not at all. We don't actually get to see the conversation that she has with him. It just talks about her coming back and basically filling Ron and Harry in on it. But it's kind of just summarized mm -hmm. that Hagrid is insisting that he's got this. Yeah, he's way more confident than... He should be? He should be, definitely. Honestly, any other year I would say he's got this, though. Just maybe not this one. But he doesn't understand what Pepto-Bitch Mall is. She's a Pepto-Bitch Mall. Yeah, he thinks yeah. she's an umbrage. 
Yeah. He doesn't yet know that she's a bitch mall. No. No, no, no. Very important distinction to be made there. Extremely. And he yes. gonna learn. He gonna learn today. Yeah. <laughs> he also kept saying that nobody in their right mind would rather study gnarls than chimeras. Which immediately just puts this look of panic on Ron and Harry's face, which kind of makes me feel like good for them for actually knowing what a chimera is. There's that. Sure. Yeah. And then Hermione says, I don't think he actually has a chimera. I think that was just an example. (laughs) We hope. Like, why would we want to study this nice tame creature when we could study one that could rip your face off? Who doesn't want to study things that can rip your face off? I mean, is it behind glass? Well, it's Hagrid, so no. (laughs) Then I'm on their side. Fine. I thought you were a Gryffindor, Ellen, but apparently I was wrong. Well, I like my face. There are lines. I like your face, too. Aw, thanks. But she does also let them know that the only reason why he doesn't have a chimera is that apparently the eggs are difficult to get. He did not win any of those in a poker match. He needs to meet a man down the pub. Right? (laughs) But then she also tells him that Hagrid is still in a funny mood and just will not fess up. He will not spill that tea Mm -hmm. on where he's getting all of these injuries. Which is incredibly rare for Hagrid to not spill tea. I know. I'm actually really impressed with him for this. I would almost venture the guess that he gets a new injury every time he doesn't tell them something. (laughs) And that's what's really happening. Yeah. So he holds it back, but then he gets a black eye. It's like in Liar Liar when Jim Carrey just beats the shit out of himself. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not actually quite what this is, but we'll learn about that later. Of course. (laughs) I just like the idea of Hagrid Hagrid punching himself. Yeah. I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Now I'm imagining Grop taking his own arm and beating him with his. I digress. Uh, We'll get there. Yeah. It's pretty split down the middle, too, of people being happy that Hagrid's back and people not being happy that Hagrid's back. Mm -hmm. At least amongst the Gryffindors. I have a feeling that the rest of the school is just kind of like, oh, yay. Yeah. People, students who don't really have... The connection right. to Hagrid that Gryffindors tend to. Being that he was also Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Hagrid plays some favorites. I feel like they all do. Yeah. I mean. That's fair. I feel like that's just the way of the teacher in a lot of cases. At least at Hogwarts. I mean, I definitely have some favorites. Yeah. But anyway, you got Fred, George, and Lee who just run right up the aisle to shake his hand. They're so happy to see him. And you've got Lavender and Parvati that are like, oh, no. <laughs> Bitches, he gave you unicorns last year. Come on. To be fair, he continued the unicorns that Grubbly Plank had already started. But that's an improvement for Hagrid. And they did mention that when Umbridge inspected Grubbly Plank, Mm -hmm. everybody was able to answer all of her questions. So Hagrid has been doing a good job. They are knowledgeable. Right. And even Grubbly Plank said Mm -hmm. that he's pretty much covered everything they need. Yeah. So they are being little bitches here. That and Pepto Bitch Mall's a bitch as well. Well, yeah. So. And we're about to see more of that. Oh, aren't we? Because we're now heading into Hagrid's first lesson, mm-hmm. being back. And unfortunately, we know that they have care of magical creatures with the Slytherins. Mm-hmm. So they're just paranoid as all fuck that Umbridge is going to show up to inspect this lesson with the Slytherins there to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Because I love you, but the Slytherins make things worse in the book. I'm not gonna... I can't argue that. We're not all bad. No. Hashtag not all Slytherins. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that doesn't help me either. So, you know, I'm sorry. But I do understand where their nerves come from based on how the Slytherins were written in the book. Mm -hmm. I think it was unfair on the Slytherins on the whole, but it is also from Harry's perspective true and he is definitely biased against slytherins from the get-go very much so so i will concede you that Mm -hmm. anyway they head on down to the lesson feeling nervous they show up and hagrid is not standing at his door like where they would normally meet him he is already at the edge of the forest and i'm positive that this does nothing to assuage those nerves oh no fears are not quelled to make it even worse he still looks like he's been kicking his own ass Mm mm-hmm 
and he's holding half of a cow. Not a whole cow? Just half of one. He doesn't have a cow? No, he has half of a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Hagrid is having half of a cow. But then he tells them very cryptically that they're going to be working in the forest because they prefer the dark. Oh, yay. Yay. And in a very, I think, satisfying moment, Malfoy panics and just goes, did he say what prefers the dark? What prefers the dark? <laughs> did he say? And he's just asking all of the people around him. He just said they. What is it? Does it who, what prefers the dark? What are we going to see? Am I going to get attacked again? What's happening? Who's they? They, they? They, they? We, they. they. <laughs> Big they? Little they? What are the they? They. Hagrid actually doesn't hear him say this and just continues explaining that they get to see these creatures still very mysterious Mm -hmm. in their natural habitats and he tells them that they're extremely rare and he's probably the only person in britain who has managed to train them and i can see his excitement here and i think that hagrid is very good at training animals but at the same time i can see how looking the way that he looks how this is not reassuring to anybody yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's looking all kinds of fucked up at this point. And then he's like, oh, I trained him. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's safe. It's <laughs> like, you don't look like, don't worry, I trained them right now. You look like, stay away. They are not fit to be around humans. That's what you look like yeah. right now. Just and that's saying. basically what Malfoy says to him. Because mm-hmm. vd Two's just like, are you sure they're trained? Because it wouldn't be the first time that you brought dangerous things to Mm -hmm. class i still have the scar on my arm which was still completely his fault you see you you see this you see this right here you see this little this little that's a hair malfoy no it's a scar it's a scar see see that was my malfoy impression i liked liked it 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 was very good (laughs) you really brought the vd2 Mm -hmm. but anyway all of the slytherins and some of the gryffindors actually not in agreement Mm mm-hmm about wild things being brought to class and Hagrid just scowls and insists that they are trained he's like uh yeah they're trained and this is when VD2 is like then what happened to your face (laughs) asking the questions we all want the answers to yes but Hagrid still being evasive just tells him to mind his own business Except the fact that this is his business. Right. You're about to lead us into the Forbidden Forest to see some mysterious creature that you supposedly trained. Mm Mm-hmm. Supposedly. While you look like you've been in a fucking car wreck. Yeah. It's not reassuring. I mean, context clues are not pointing to good things here. No. They're just not. So I can kind of understand the apprehension. Not even kind of. I just get it. Yeah. I'd be a little apprehensive too. Kind of excited. You know, I a little bit. Because I don't think Hagrid would really let anything bad happen to anybody. Not on purpose. Not no. on purpose. But I mean, also, blast under scrutes anyone? Everyone was fine. Just a few minor burns. <laughs> Got dragged along the ground a little bit. No big deal. I'm just saying. But anyway, he leads them into the forest. They walk about 10 minutes. And they reach an area that's so clustered with trees that the snow can't even get through them. And they just find themselves in like a little bit of a snow-free but very dark area. This is where he puts down his half a cow. Not his whole cow. Just the half of a cow. (laughs) Don't half a cow, man. (laughs) Episode title. Don't half a cow. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Moving so on. he no longer has a cow no. because he set it down. <laughs> Tells the students to gather around and explains that they, still with the they, mm-hmm. are going to be attracted to the meat. But he's going to also call him. And I think this is just him giving them a warning because apparently the call is a little bit unsettling. He just makes a lot of things about this that are unsettling. (laughs) Because he makes these odd shrieking, crying sounds that I would have paid double the ticket price to hear Robbie Coltrane do. Oh, hmm. Yeah. Because I know what it sounds like in my head, but to actually have someone vocalize it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I can hear it in my head, but I couldn't do it. I'm not going to try right now. Right. (laughs) But I can hear what it sounds like in my head. 
And I would really like to hear that come to life. Mm -hmm. I imagine we've heard something similar coming from Newt. Probably. I would actually be really happy if we get to hear. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne do it. I'll be cool with that. I want that. Yes. But after these shrieking cries that we did not get to see in the movie, Mm -hmm. everybody's looking around trying to figure out where it's going to come from and what it is. Yeah. I feel like if he would at least name them... I think he did this on purpose Oh, and but- was just building up the suspense because some of them, like Hermione, are going to know already what a Thestral is. Yeah. So if he said Thestrals, it would take that mystery away and they would know that they won't be able to see what's showing up, most of them. I mean, I would just be so much happier that way. And I'm certain that it would put the students more at ease, but I don't think that was his goal. I think he was going for the suspense and the impact of the lesson. Well, rude. <laughs> rude Hagrid is rude. Or a master of suspense. He's not a master of He's suspense. He's not a master of suspense. <laughs> that man is just a tea spill waiting to happen. He's yeah. not a master of suspense. Maybe he is in lessons, though. I guess. Because after the third cry, mm-hmm. Harry elbows Ron, is like, look, there it is. And these white glowing eyes start to emerge from between two trees. And then he sees that those eyes are in like a dragonish face. Mm-hmm. And then there's a neck and then there's the skeletal body of an emaciated horsey bird. Yeah the fuck yeah and then it just goes straight to the half a cow and it Mm -hmm. is going to half a cow because it just starts tearing the flesh off of it with its teeth you know like you do yeah if you're a thestral or another creature that eats half a cow (laughs) (laughs) or another creature that halves a cow yeah now this is the moment that harry is like they're fucking real and is relieved to know that he's finally gonna learn what they are Unless, of course, you're watching the movie, in which case he already does, since Luna told him all about them. Yeah, and we already talked with our keepers about your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And most of us agreed that having Luna do it gave her a little bit more of a role and it worked and blah, 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 blah. I am just extremely upset what that took away from Hagrid. It did take a lot. I mean, we didn't even have a lesson with him in the movie at all. Which means we didn't get remotely close to this next part either. No. And it's just very disappointing. So we're going to take that a little step further, I think, and talk about how taking that away from Hagrid affected his role in the movie. Yeah. Not to mention the fact we didn't get to see anyone react to the Thestral or lack thereof through their eyes. Right. And you didn't fully grasp the fact that the majority of people cannot see them and think there's something scary. Exactly. Whereas that's exactly what happens in here because Harry looks over at Ron and realizes that Ron has absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah. And Ron's just standing there like, why doesn't he call them again? Right. Like this is not the face of a guy that is looking at an emaciated horsey bird right now. No, this is the face of somebody who thinks, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. And Harry's just standing there watching the majority of the class look extremely confused. Yeah. Because they have no idea what's going on, even though the emaciated horsey bird is literally feet away from them. Yeah. There's only two other people that can actually seem to see them, and Mm -hmm. that's Neville and then a random Slytherin boy that doesn't even get named. Which was our trivia question. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Hagrid then tells them that a second one is showing up and asks the class to raise their hands if they can see them. And then sure enough, it's just those two and Harry. Mm -hmm. And then VD2 is in the background going, "Uh, what is it that we're supposed to be seeing? Because... Any chance that he can get to derail Hagrid's lesson, he's going to. Dude, you were ready to piss your pants three seconds ago. How about you just chill the fuck out? I think it's funny, too, because honestly, not being able to see him would really only make it worse for him. So he's like being cocky in the most cocky way possible. Yeah. (laughs) Cocky born out of ignorance. VD2 is VD2ing everywhere (laughs) right now. Like There's just two all over the place i guess i don't know (laughs) and that's my way of saying there's shit everywhere yes (laughs) oh i I was i was with you on that anyway in response to malfoy's rude question hagrid just points to the half a cow Mm -hmm. and the class that cannot see the thestral just sees flesh strip itself from the cow 
and then disappear into nothing. That's so much creepier. (laughs) So much creepier. Parvati screams, wanting to know what's eating it. And I think that's a perfectly valid question. Sure. Hey, what's eating you? And this is when we actually get the name and Hagrid tells them that they are Thestrals, which gives Hermione that meaning it. Oh, light bulb. Yes. But Hagrid wants to obviously continue his lesson and tell them more about Thestrals, but Parvati can't keep her mouth shut and starts talking about how unlucky they are. And Professor Trelawney said this and Professor Trelawney said that. And Hagrid rightly interrupts her back to just be like, dude, those are all superstitions. Mm -hmm. They're not unlucky. Yeah. It's just because people don't understand them because most people can't see them. And then he asks the class if anybody knows why some can see them and why some can't. And of course, our reliable Hermione is the only one who has the answer to this. What? What? She raises her hand and explains that the only people who can see Thestrals are those who have seen death. And I love the controversy in the fandom surrounded by this. Yeah. There's so many differing opinions. People just try to take scene so literally. Yeah. And everyone who has their belief will die on that hill. Oh, yeah. Whatever the belief is, they will die on that hill. So the definition of see, Mm -hmm. perceive with the eyes, discern visually, which is how most people seem to take it. Mm -hmm. They tend to forget that it's discern or deduce mentally after reflection or from information to understand something Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of people took it as it's somebody you have to actually witness death yeah and then they skip the part where you have to comprehend it as well because there's tons of arguments about how harry couldn't see the thestral at the end of even though yeah even though there's actually a written scene where he's standing there waiting for the horseless carriages yeah But it all had just happened. It was so fresh he hadn't processed it. I do believe the boy was still in shock. Oh, for sure. Like, there's some trauma there. Yeah. And then, of course, you have all of the people who say he saw his parents die, which he was was technically only in the movie, too. True. Yeah. Because in the book, we know all he saw was the green lights. Exactly. And like you said, a baby. You can't comprehend what's going on there. Yeah. There's so much about psychology in this. Yes. In a weird way, I would love to talk to like a psychologist, a Harry Potter fan. Yeah. To like discuss the intricacies of this. Obviously, that's not going to be this episode. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of psych education just from being a teacher, mm-hmm. but it would be really interesting. So if any of you keepers out there are yeah. psychologists get or psychiatrists or therapists, any of the above. Yeah. Get in touch with us. Let's chat. Let's talk. Maybe it could be a bonus episode. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of go with you where he didn't understand what he was seeing. It's kind of like when you're in such a cloudy mental state and you're just looking at things, but you're not seeing anything. Right. I'm sure the Thestrals were the least of Harry's worries at that point. Right. And let's also not forget that not only did Harry see Cedric die. Mm-hmm. He then saw his parents come back in some form. Like, there was a lot of shit weighing on his brain at that moment. A lot of stuff went down that night. And knowing Harry and everything that's happened to him in his life, I would feel like seeing his parents and actually having a chance to talk to his parents was taken over his brain in that moment. Oh, yeah. And the actual processing of Cedric's death hadn't fully hit. There was just so much happening all at once. Like you said, shock. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine his dreams and things like that were probably, if they even happened, he probably taken some draft of dream of sleep because... Something. The boy probably needed something, but then when he left Hogwarts, he didn't have that anymore. Then come the dreams about Cedric. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they should have sent him home with some. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In a self-replenishing bottle. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so... Hermione gives the very basic answer of only those who have seen death can see them Mm -hmm. and thus launched a thousand ships of controversy. (laughs) Yes. The line that launched a thousand ships. Yes. There we go. Whereas Hagrid just awards her 10 points for the correct answer. I mean, it was the correct answer. She was not wrong. It was the correct answer. I feel like maybe we could have gotten a little more detail on that. If only she would have known the shit she was starting. Uh Uh-huh. But... He makes to continue his lesson, maybe ask some more questions, maybe share a little bit more information about the Thestrals. And he doesn't get to because 
this is the moment where he sees the real Professor Umbridge. Mm. This is when he meets Pepto Bitchmall. Yeah. I mean, she was a twat when she met him the first time. He gonna see the cunt. Yeah, and he starts off trying to be really pleasant with her because she asks the question she always asks, apparently mm-hmm. didn't learn anything from McGonagall, right. wanting to know if he received her note about the inspection. Mm-hmm. And he's just super pleasant with her, and he's just like, I did. Welcome. I'm glad you found it. Okay, as you can see, we're doing Thestrals, or I don't know, can you? Ooh. And Cunty McCunterface <laughs> cups her hand around her ear and just says what the fuck like she didn't hear him or understand him or whatever the fuck she's doing so Hagrid just says Thestrals you know big winged horses and he flaps his arms to like yeah illustrate what they're learning about I don't know he probably figures she can't see them at this point or maybe she's seen them and just doesn't know what they are Maybe she didn't study care of magical creatures. Maybe. She doesn't seem to like creatures. So it seems unlikely that she would have. Mm -hmm. But in response to this, she makes a note on her clipboard and she takes a different tactic when Mm -hmm. she's doing her notes with this particular teacher because she's a cunty McCunterface. Sure. And she decides to say what she's writing out loud as she writes it. And as she's writing her note, she says, has to resort to crude sign language. Like that's any worse than when she was in Hagrid's hut talking extra loud and very slowly as though he was stupid. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. She's just taking it a step further. Yeah, except when she did it, she was being a giant ass cunt bat. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) This understandably flusters Hagrid. Because mm-hmm. he's got to be standing there like, what do you mean? I don't understand what's happening right now. I've not been yeah. anything but nice to you. You asked me what, so I repeated it more clearly. I don't. But whatever. He just goes back to his lesson. And kudos to him for being able to just kind of like, all right, that was weird, but we're just going to keep going on. Unfortunately, mm. yes, kudos to him. But unfortunately, he says, what was I saying? Which, fuck me, I could not tell you the number of times that I have said that as a teacher. I can't tell you the number of times I've said that as a person. Right. No. When a kid asks you a question, especially, and kind of derails the topic, you're like, oh, where was I? Like, that's just normal people shit. Yeah. That's literally human nature. Right. But Pepto Bitchmall loudly makes another little fucking note saying, appears to have poor short-term memory. Yeah, well, you just appear to be short, you bitch. I don't know. I'm really hoping that she's about to become a short-term memory. Oh, ooh. I like that. (laughs) Unfortunately, she lives rent-free in all of our fucking heads. Right? (laughs) Hagrid gives her another uneasy look because this is just getting worse and worse and worse and he's learning. Mm -hmm. But he does, kudos to him, continue his lesson. Yeah. And he's telling the class about how they have a herd of Thestrals at Hogwarts. So as he's trying to tell them all about the first one they had mm-hmm. and how he got a female and they bred them and all of the build up the, you know, yeah. like you do. I really like the story behind it. Like, I find that very interesting. I don't know why, but. So they started off with a male and five females. So that male was very busy. Mm-hmm. A bit of a fuck boy. Yeah. Yeah. Quite the stud. Literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And then the only name we get of one of the Thestrals was the first one born in the forest. I guess that made him kind of a favorite of Hagrid's. Oh, which, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. it's the first baby that shows up. Yeah. So he named him Tenebris. You always got a special place in your heart for your firstborn. Oh, just, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, you just do. I love that idea, though, that like there's just Hagrid in a forest, like cuddling this tiny little Thestral. And- you know he was, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, he knows his mummy. Right? I feel like there's a really good chance that one hung out in his cabin with him. Oh, yeah. So as he's trying to tell them all about Tenebris, his favorite, mm-hmm. Umbridge interrupts him again and asks him if he's aware that the Ministry classifies Thestrals as dangerous. Are you aware that I classify you as a cunt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's got to know that people think she's a cunt. 
I mean, I feel like she just leans into it at this right? point. <laughs> just embracing it. This revelation makes Harry even more nervous than he was before. Mm-hmm. The moment that she showed up, I'm sure his heart sank into his stomach and now it's like trying to come out his ass. Well, yeah, he couldn't even have one fucking lesson with Hagrid. Right. Without this bitch showing up. To make it even worse, Hagrid just chuckles and says they're not dangerous. He's like, I mean, they might take a bite out of you if you really annoy it. <laughs> but so might I. Right? And Bitch Mall just makes another note saying, appears to show signs of pleasure at the idea of violence. Okay, but she's like mutilating the backs of kids' hands. So and clearly getting off on that, clearly enjoying it very much. So, I mean, how is that different? It is not. It's not. (laughs) And Hagrid tries to defend himself. He's like, no, I mean, a dog will bite you if you upset the dog. Yeah. A cat will scratch you. Absolutely. If you piss off the cat. And bite you. Yes. Though you'll get the double whammy from a cat. Animals will protect themselves if they need to. That is just animal nature. Yeah. Hagrid was not taking pleasure in that. He was like, um, hello, don't fuck with the animal if you think it might be dangerous. Yeah. Common sense. If you're not going to be nice to an animal, just stay the fuck away from it. Same thing with giants or half giants. Yeah. Same thing with fucking anybody. Right? You don't got something nice to say, expect to be smacked. Or bit. Or bit. Can't say something nice. Don't say nothing at all or use getting bit. <laughs> Pepto Bitchmall gives zero fucks about his defense. As per usual. And just finishes her note and tells him to continue teaching as usual and that she's going to walk among the students and ask them questions. And while she's saying this, she's literally miming it to him. Eat all the dicks. Just eat them all, honestly. And then Harry over there being Harry completely clueless as to why Pepto Bitch Mall is acting like Hagrid can't understand basic English. Harry, Harry, Harry. Oh, honey. This is why you're not in Ravenclaw. What I would give for McGonagall to be there at that moment. Just Oh my oh. God. You know, if you want to see how Hagrid does this, shut the fuck up and listen. Or just better yet, get the fuck out. There's that too. Yeah. yeah. Hermione, however, could have been in Ravenclaw. And is nearly crying. She's so angry at what Bitch Mall is doing. Understandably. Yeah. She is not the only one with tears. Mm-hmm. Pansy Parkinson is also crying, but it's out of laughter. Because she's a pug-faced bitch. Yeah. She thinks that Pepto Bitch Mall's antics are hilarious. Well, she would. Yeah. And decides to feed into them because I'm sure Umbridge at this point of the year knows exactly who she can go to to hear what she wants to hear. So she asks Pansy if she can understand Hagrid when he talks. Mm -hmm. And through a fit of giggles, she manages to say that she can't because it sounds like grunting a lot of the time. This is why we can't have nice things. Yep. Fucking slither. Come on. Mm hmm. (sighs) I feel for you. I love my house. I am a Slytherin through and through. But fuck, guys. Why can't we have nice things? Because you fuck it all up. That's why. That's exactly why. Rant over. Honestly, it's really only a few of them. We don't get to hear that much about the majority of the house. Just the ones from Harry's perspective that suck. Exactly. And the thing is, Slytherin's made a very negative impression on him from the get-go. So any Slytherin that he comes in contact with is going to suck to a certain extent, whether they talk, whether they do anything. So there is going to be that bias. However, I can't blame him. Yeah. Were I coming into the house and seeing Draco and Crab and Goyle, all of them, if I was seeing them and they're like my first introduction to this place that I now have to live, I'd be like, fuck me. You all suck. No, I don't want to be in your house. Yeah. Draco's cute, but he ain't that cute. He wasn't even that cute in the book, so. No. Moving on, though. Hagrid, bless his heart, in the non-Southern way here, Mm -hmm. continues to try teaching 
And Pepto Bitch Mall asks Neville who it is that he saw die because that's a really appropriate question to oh, ask sure. in the middle of class. Yeah. And a very sensitive way of doing it. <laughs> Walk up to somebody with your clipboard. So who'd you see snuff it? Yeah. Hmm. Tell me more about this possibly very traumatic thing in your life. Which one of your loved ones just died right in front of you? Do tell. Right. Neville tells her that it was his granddad. And then she asks him what he thinks of them, referring to the Thestrals. Mm -hmm. And he glances nervously at Hagrid before he answers, just saying that they're okay. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, it's probably a lot for him to process, being one of only a few students that can see them. It's got to be weird to be learning for the first time that you can see them when others can't because you watch somebody die. And then he's thinking about his grandpa. This is an emotional moment, I'm sure. Right? Like, who in their right mind is going to be like, it's pretty fucking awesome. Right? I saw death so I get to see these horrifying emaciated horsey birds. Right? Like, haha, I can do something you can't. Right. Because I saw somebody die. That's not how that's going to happen. No, never. But... Bitch Maul narrates the note that she makes in response to this question, saying that students are too intimidated to admit they are frightened. And Neville's just like, no, I'm not frightened. She just gives him this not comforting pat on the shoulder oh, and tells him that it's all right. And then tells Hagrid that she thinks she's got all she needs because she has plenty to slander him with. Of Why course. would she stay and see a whole lesson? She had plenty to slander him with even before she showed up that day. But now she thinks she's got this golden ticket of getting rid of Hagrid. Yeah, something. Ugh. She pisses me off, too. <sighs> Ready to get more mad? No, but I don't really get a choice in this, do I? She again mimes that she'll get him his results in 10 days' time. Because Lord knows he can't understand the words by themselves. And then just walks away, leaving Malfoy. And Pansy laughing. Hermione is super pissed off. She's shaking. She's so angry. So am I. And Neville just looks really confused and upset because he likes Hagrid too. Yeah. And basically just helped get him in trouble, but... But didn't but at didn't. all. Yeah. Like so his words just were twisted. Sucks. They were taken completely the wrong way on purpose. Uh-huh. Like that was not an accident. There was nothing that Neville could have said. No. That would have been... No. Okay. Yeah, she would totally work that and spin that to her advantage, no matter what anybody said. About a half hour later, lessons over, they're all making their way back to the castle. Hermione is now letting out all of that anger and is just going on this glorious rant about how foul Pepto Bitch Mall is. Especially since it's clear she was trying to make Hagrid out to be some kind of dim-witted troll just because he's half-giant. Mm -hmm. And she defends him, which she has been since he's gotten back. Yeah. Saying that that was a really good lesson for Hagrid. Yeah. Ron is kind of playing devil's advocate here. Granted, he has had just as much bad experience with nasty creatures mm -hmm. as any of them. And he says, but Umbridge said that the Thestrals are dangerous. Ron, Ron, Ron. Ron, Ron, Ron. Hermione says, it's like Hagrid said, they can look after themselves. Mm -hmm. She then has a moment of absolute lack of tact, which is not common for Hermione. No. But she proceeds to say that they're so interesting how some people can see them and some people can't. And she wishes she could. Ooh, honey, baby, sweetie. Yeah. And Harry just kind of looks at her and says, do you? Mm -hmm. Really? Do you maybe want to stop? Consider what you just said. I'll give you the free pass. Let's rewind it. And you can try that again. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Hermione is just like, oh, my God. No, I did not mean. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And mm -hmm. Harry's just like, it's okay. Free pass. Yeah. To be fair, she's not wrong. They are very interesting. Yeah. And it is something where I think she more meant like. It's so interesting that some people can see them and some people can't. And I wish that I could see them, but not for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wish there was a way I could see them without going through right. massive trauma. She just did not fully think through the implications of what she was saying for educational purposes. Exactly. And Harry understands yeah. that. He gets it, but it's already out there it's been said yeah. you know <laughs> and ron is actually quite shocked that there were three people in one class who could see them mm -hmm. are you ready to get angry again why stop now 
Nazi von Douchebag II. Of course. Cuts off their conversation to say that they were all wondering if Ron saw someone snuff it, if he'd be able to see the quaffle better. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to see the quaffle when I shove it down your throat, you little motherfucker. I would actually think he wouldn't be able to see it then. He'll see it coming at him. That's true. I was originally going to say I'll see it when I shove it up his ass. But he that definitely would... wouldn't see it. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of the fun. What if you shoved it up his ass so hard it came out his mouth and then he saw it? There we go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that took a turn. Because the trio, the negative trio, did not hear me make that comment, they all roar with laughter and walk away singing a chorus of Weasley is our king. I've heard them referred to as the black trio. The black trio, Mm -hmm. yes. Ron is embarrassed. Hermione tells him to ignore them. And then she pulls out her wand and does a hot air charm to melt the snow in front of them so they can easily get to the greenhouses. Sure. Why not? And... They are now officially in December, which is probably where they are in the movie, too. But that montage made it really difficult to follow a timeline. Yeah, we'll get to it in the next episode. But it is just before Christmas. Yeah, There's more snow, even more homework. Mm -hmm. Ron and Hermione's prefix duties increase because they have to supervise the decoration of the castle. They have to basically babysit the first and second years who no longer can go outside during their free time. So apparently it's perfectly acceptable for them to be out of the castle unattended. But if they're in the castle, they must be attended. I would like to say that makes sense in some way, but it doesn't. It doesn't. So I'm just going to move on. And they also have to patrol the corridors with Filch because he figures that the snow is going to make people act extra crazy, which it kind of does. Say what you want about Filch, but he does have the experience to know when the kids become more crazy. I will give him that. I mean, stir crazy. Yeah. But it's kind of, oh man, can you imagine having to do like patrolling with Filch? Yeah. Oh. And his, mm, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to think about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, this is just keeping them so busy that Hermione is starting to fret that she doesn't even have time to knit. So she's down to three hats. Oh, no. And there's all those poor elves that she hasn't freed yet that are going to have to stay at Hogwarts over Christmas. And Harry's just sitting there like, "Um, Dobby has taken all of your hats, but I'm not about to tell you this. So I'm just going to focus on my essay a little bit more. I kind of wish he would have told her, though. Yeah. By the way, Hermione. Like, for the record. Can you imagine the can of worms that would open? I know. Yeah, that would be. Harry's not dumb. He ain't smart, but he's not dumb. (laughs) He's not a Ravenclaw, but he's also not a troll. Right. (laughs) He also really doesn't want to think about Christmas right now because Mm -hmm. he's been banned from Quidditch. Thinks Hagrid's going to end up being put on probation, which let's be honest, he's not wrong there. No. Because he's not a Ravenclaw, but he's not a troll. Exactly. And this is the first time in five years that he actually does not want to be at Hogwarts for Christmas holidays. Mm Mm-hmm. Who would? And he's completely jealous because the majority of the members of the DA are going to be going with their families for the holidays. Hermione's going skiing with hers. Ron gets to go back to the borough. And he's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm going to be stuck here all by myself. And he asks Ron how he's getting back to the borough. And Ron, who may be part troll, just goes, oh, (laughs) didn't I tell you? You're coming too. (laughs) Ronald Weasley writes... On the plus side, this does make Harry feel better. That's good, but it would have been much better had he, you know, mentioned it any other time right, sooner. Right, much sooner. Like, come on. He's really looking forward to Christmas at the borough. Mm-hmm. And he's also hoping that he might be able to persuade Mrs. Weasley to invite Sirius too, although he's not sure that Dumbledore let Sirius leave. So it's just kind of a, I don't really know, but maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We can hope. Yeah. And then at the last DA meeting before the holidays, Mm -hmm. he arrives early and is super relieved that he did because Dobby took it upon himself to decorate the room for Christmas for everyone. Aww. Which is super sweet until you get to the fact that some of the decorations included hundreds of gold baubles with (laughs) Harry's face on them (laughs) and a big sign that says, like a banner that says, have a very hairy Christmas. And I got to say, 
Dobby's pun game is on point. It is. Because that's a double pun in one. It is. You have Harry Christmas, which rhymes with Merry Christmas, and Harry Christmas that almost looks like Happy Christmas. Exactly. On point, Dobby. He is the quintessential OG Harry Potter fanboy. Yes, absolutely. Really is. He started the club. Mm Mm-hmm. Thankfully, arriving early means he had time to take those decorations down (laughs) because he didn't want anybody to think that he hung them up. Right. Although, I mean, just lean into it, Harry. I think it would have been hilarious. Right? If I had been there, it would have been like, nice. (laughs) But then again, your pun game is quite strong yourself. So I have a hard time believing that Dobby would have beat you to doing it first. That's a good point. Yeah. But he just manages to get the last of the Harry Potter decorations down when Luna arrives and she sees the last of the non-Harry decorations Mm -hmm. and it's just like, oh, pretty. And then she goes, look, mistletoe and points above Harry's head. And knee jerk reaction. Harry just jumps away from it as quick as he possibly can. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't actually offend Luna like it probably would most other females. Yeah. Luna's just like, oh, that's good thinking. It's often infested with nargles. I mean, good looking out for him. Yeah. And Harry's over here like, what the fuck are nargles? But before he actually asks, Angelina, Katie, and Alicia all show up. They look breathless and extremely cold i imagine their faces just being like red red noses mm-hmm. red noses yeah maybe, and maybe runny noses yeah sniffles and they came in from outside clearly mm-hmm. angelina informing harry that they've replaced him and harry's just like replaced me and she's like yeah you fred and george mm-hmm. we have new seekers and beaters had no choice guy and harry wants to know who they got mm-hmm. and is very surprised to learn that his replacement is none other than Ginny Weasley. What? You mean she's badass? What? The movies definitely didn't give us this. No. Because the movies don't love us. Apparently not. Even though we still love them. <laughs> For some reason, man. He learns that Ginny is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Though nothing on Harry. No. And that the two new beaters are called Andrew Kirk and Jack Sloper. And she specifically says that they're not brilliant, but they are better than the other idiots who showed up. So slim pickings. Yeah. Take what you can get. There was nobody that was going to compare to Fred, George, and Harry. No. There just wasn't. So you do the best with what you got. As Olive Herwood said... Fred and George were like a couple of bludgers themselves. Exactly. Human bludgers. Mm-hmm. But this is where we're cutting off the book chapter yeah. to line right up with the entire movie scene. Yeah. <laughs> for next week. Yep. As there are no movie scenes in this episode, though in honor of getting to talk more about Hagrid, we do want to give a shout out. Wands up. Wands up. An RIP to Robbie Coltrane, who passed this last week. Yeah. As he said in the Harry Potter special, one day he would be gone, but Hagrid would still be around. Mm-hmm. And he will always be Hagrid. Honest God, that's the first thought that came to my mind when I saw he passed, where he was like, I won't be here, sadly, but Hagrid will. And I was yeah, like, I was like oh, he did a thing. Like, yeah. You know what? All we can do is we can remember how wonderful he was as Hagrid. Yeah. How he will always be Hagrid. I'm Even if they do a remake. Yeah. He's, He's always got huge be... shoes to fill. Literally. Yeah. It would be silly of me to think that they couldn't find someone who would come close, but they're never going to find another Robbie Coltrane. No. It's just not going to happen. And and he is already very sorely missed yeah, in the fandom. Definitely. For sure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That'll bring us, however, to the Potter Pondering, which is... What are your thoughts on how much of Umbridge's persecution towards Hagrid was left out of the movie? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, if you don't make the deadline, which is the Wednesday before, you can also stitch your response on TikTok or just message it to us or post it on social media. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from our Nick Fury, Mike Hanzak. Mm-hmm. He writes, hey I'm Mike, and I'm a Hufflepuff. 
My wand is cherry wood, 12 and a quarter, with a unicorn hair core, and my Patronus is a white stallion. I first got into Harry Potter somewhere between 2000 and 2003, as I can remember Order of the Phoenix being the first one I had to wait for. I was curious to see what all the hype was about. The books do such a good job of immersing the reader into this hidden world. The books never feel like they drug on despite the page number increasing. There was no over-description of the background like Tolkien or unnecessary backstory like Stephen King. They were easy reads from the get-go. I especially remember being so enthralled with the Deathly Hallows that I would read in between calls at my job at Redacted Insurance Call Center. I would like to talk about my actual sorting. At the start, I must confess I had a poor outlook on the Hufflepuff house. Gryffindor and Slytherin were clearly defined and Ravenclaw was the smart-slash-intellectual house. Hufflepuff was, in my mind, where everyone else went to. The leftovers. I'll take the rest, said Helga. So when I was first sorted, I was bummed to find out I was Hufflepuff. Thankfully, with age brings wisdom. I found out that Hufflepuff isn't a reject house, but a house that values loyalty and kindness most of all, as I do. A good game is valued over winning at all costs. I could go on. If I had to choose, I like the books a bit better than the movies because I pictured some things differently. The main three, though, was perfect casting. While not nearly as knowledgeable about the world slash fandom as the two hosts of this show, I do enjoy the fandom, and yes, I am Hufflepuff and proud. As well he should be. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Mike, and for getting us together in the first place. Thank you. Some days we hate you. (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part, you know what? You done good, kid. Yep. And if any of the other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what does Harry dream Cho said he promised her 150 of? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag, you did promise, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, and the very corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calming Harry on! Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake.